What are 2013's top trends in background screening? Hi, this is Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking about background screening today with Lester Rosen of Employment Screening Resources. Les, thanks so much for joining me again. Uh, my pleasure, Tom. Always a pleasure to work with you. So as we get into the year ahead, I want to look back on the previous year as well, Les. What do you see as being the, among the top screening stories that we saw in 2012? Tom, I think the stories that really stand out, first and foremost, is the fact that the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the folks in Washington charged with enforcement of Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, took a new look at the use of criminal records when it came to employment and how that works with background checks and hiring and issued a, a brand-new guidance that came out April 25, 2012, talking about how criminal records uh, should be used properly, how they can be misused, how they can result in disparate impact and, and therefore, discrimination. And, and eventually, those new rules will probably revolutionize the way that American employers hire pretty significantly uh, in terms of uh, application forms, in terms of how uh, past criminal questions are asked, when they're asked, how past criminal convictions should be used, what would happen if a person reveals a criminal conviction. So that's a big game changer, and that uh, is something we'll see in 2013 continues to be a trend as employers continue to grapple with best hiring practices. Uh, a couple other big stories both came out of the Federal Trade Commission. The Federal Trade Commission is one of two federal agencies involved with the uh, administration enforcement of the Fair Credit Reporting Act, the FCRA, that law, the federal law that governs background checks. And they did two significant things this year that really stood out. One is that they went after a large national screening firm with allegations revolving around accuracy issues, resulting in a settlement. And a settlement means there's no admission or finding wrongdoing. There's a settlement. But the settlement was for a whopping $2.6 million dollars I think that caused a lot of employers to pause and take a look at their background screening practices. And they also went after a database company, a web company that sold data over the web, uh, resulting in an $800,000 fine stemming from allegations. Again, it was settled, but the allegations were that uh, the company was selling background check information uh, without advising employers that this was uh, covered by the Fair Credit Reporting Act. So those were three of the bigger hot-ticket items, and uh, after that, there was a slew of legal changes that occurred in 2012 in various areas, and some of those are going to spill over to 2013. Well, Les, I want to come back to a couple of these topics, but right now I want to talk about your annual Top 10 Trends Report. You're just out with it. What are among the top trends in background screening for 2013? Well, Tom, the, the three top trends, and, and they're actually related, really involve the EEOC. This is something called ban the box, and our number one trend is the newfound focus, or the, the I should say the newly increased focus on accuracy and background checks. The ban the box trend, for those not familiar with the term, refers to a movement that has been taken off around the country, uh, primarily with states, municipalities, cities, counties, where governmental entities, when they uh, have employment applications, are, are banning the box, and that box is the box where someone is asked, do you have a criminal conviction? And there's a box for yes and a box for no. And the ban the box movement basically says, look, we have a large problem in this country with ex-offenders not being able to obtain employment. And unless an ex-offender can get a job, they can't become a tax-paying law-abiding citizen. 
And as a society, we can't afford to build more prisons than schools and hospitals. So let's give people a second chance. It's part of the second chance movement. And it doesn't mean that pedophiles will supervise the playground or bank robbers will be behind the cash drawer at some county office. It really means that initially the idea is to let everyone apply and so everyone can be considered on their merits. And then down the road, an appropriate background check is conducted at an appropriate time. The idea being is to get people in the system because there's a lot of people with minor criminal records, criminal records for minor things that may have happened four or five or six years ago that may not be particularly relevant to a job. And the band the box movement has been somewhat of a in the public sector. And what the EEOC did, which is trend number two, is one of the suggestions they made is that employers should consider the use of band the box uh, for, in the private sector as well. The idea being why have a criminal question early in the process that serves as a early knockout punch based upon a person's status as an ex-offender as opposed to their knowledge, skills, abilities, or experience. So that that's a big trend. Uh, the EEOC also suggested that employers do something called an individualized assessment if a criminal record is used to deny a job. That employers not ask large or open-ended questions uh, when it comes to a person's past criminal uh, conduct because it, it could elicit information that's either old or irrelevant. So, and, and to be careful about how to analyze a past criminal record, the EEOC gave more guidance than that. So that was a big issue, and that was issue number two. And issue number one this year, we felt, was the emphasis on accuracy, given the EEOC action, the $2.6 million settlement, the fact that there's been news stories about this. There's there was a, Some organization issued some sort of what they labeled a study about background reports. It's been, been in the news lately. And I think in 2013, the, the emphasis by the screening industry will be to demonstrate how accurate we are. We do millions of background checks a year. And, and critics of the industry may come up with two or three instances where, where something didn't work out exactly right. But the emphasis on accuracy and increasing accuracy is critical because even if there's a small number of incidents that weren't correct, uh, the background screening industry obviously wants uh, uh, accuracy to approach 100% uh, because there's people with jobs on the line. So those are the, 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 the three big trends. And, of course, there's other trends as well having to do with legislation concerning offshoring and privacy and social media and so forth. So there's a couple of trends I'd like to dive into, and one of them is the criminal background checks. Based on the trends that you've seen and what you've talked about today, are we coming to a point where criminal background checks simply can't be a screening consideration? Well, actually, I would say absolutely not. Um, one of the things that came out of the EEOC guidance was a reaffirmation of the fact that background checks are absolutely lawful. The process under which an employer can do it is protected and provided under the Fair Credit Reporting Act. And it's absolutely clear from uh, industry statistics and lawsuits for negligent hiring that background checks, particularly criminal background checks, are mission critical for every employer. You know, sometimes you see in the news that um, stories about how unfair it may have been in a particular case where someone had the same name as somebody else and didn't get a job and, and so on and so forth. But at the same time, you also see stories every day or almost every day where some employer is sued or some public organization or entity is criticized for failure to do background checks. And that's the catch-22 employers are in. If you don't do them, you can get sued for negligent hiring if you hire someone that is unsafe, uh, is, is dishonest, has a, a type of criminal record that makes them unsuitable for a job. But if you don't do it right, you can get sued as well. So the walk-away lesson is not that criminal background checks should not be done. In fact, the opposite is true in our society today. It's more critical than ever 
that employers make sure that they're hiring safe and qualified people. The walkaway point, rather, is that criminal background checks are more complicated than perhaps thought of before, and it needs to be done right. There can no longer be, and there should never have been, a knee-jerk reaction to the idea that just because you have a criminal record, uh, you can't work here. The FT, uh, the EEOC, rather, it, it tells us through their guidance that it's much more complex than that. You need to consider the nature and gravity of the crime, the nature of the job, how long ago the crime occurred. Perhaps the crime is too old to be, to be of, of, of relevancy now. So the walkway point for employers is not that you should stop doing criminal background checks. If anything, you, you, you need to make sure that you're doing proper checks for the, each position. But the walkway point is to be very uh, much more circumspect in the way that these background checks are used. And what we're seeing now is, I think, the next two or three years, we're seeing an evolution towards employers developing and deploying uh, using uh, uh, criminal matrices, relevancy matrices, where employers will will be able to take a look at a particular offense and based upon having analyzed the job and the job functions and the uh, the essential functions of each job are able to assign a certain amount of risk to each job in, in, conjunct, in conjunction or comparison with a particular offense. And so I think that the, the next moving forward will be the development of relevancy matrix when it comes to criminal records. So short story, absolutely you need to do the criminal checks, but even as important or more important, you need to do it in, in a way that uh, complies with the EEOC guidance uh, with knowledgeable experts. Let's talk about privacy regulations as well. Uh, you mentioned social media and talking about the trends, and we know that's been a, a trend for organizations to use social media. What is and is not fair game now when employers are surfing the Internet for information on particular candidates? Well, this is an area that's intriguing for employers because for so many years, employers were really stuck with uh, trying to determine or discern whether a person should be hired based upon uh, the person's resume, um, past references, how they presented themselves to the job interview. And suddenly with the advent of Web 2.0 and social media and, and the fact you can now look at a person's cyber identity, you suddenly have this fascinating po this, uh, possibility that you can look under the hood into a person's brain, essentially, and see what they're doing, what they're saying, how they're behaving when they think no one is looking, uh, what they say on, on, on social media pages, what they're, what they're uh, tweeting, you know, what they're blogging, and so on and so forth. And so it's somewhat irresistible because you take you start with the premise that, that each person you hire uh, represents a, a large potential investment, not only in terms of the time and energy to hire the person, but also the salary you're going to pay them and the management and the, and the role they'll play in your workplace. And every bad hire comes with severe consequences. You know, some studies suggest that for every bad hire, you might it might cost you two or three times that person's salary. So there's a lot at stake here. And so with social media, it's a real inviting to want to look at it. Uh, I, I think the walkway point, though, with social media is you've got to be careful out there. There's a lot of pitfalls and, and traps for the unwary when it comes to social media. Three of the big ones uh, have to do with discrimination, privacy, and authenticity. So part of the problem is when employers start using the Internet willy-nilly, uh, is you might come across things such as a person's race, creed, color, ethnicity, nationality, whether they're married, whether they have kids. A uh, uh, man, woman, uh, age, all sorts of things, and they all have one thing in common. Those violate federal and state discrimination laws, uh, and you can't consider those. And so you, if you look at a, a, these websites too soon in the process, there's this great legal phrase called pregnant with knowledge, that you, be, you, be, you become knowledgeable of things you're not supposed to know, and that becomes a, a, a dangerous area for employers. 
There's also the area of privacy. I think there's a mistaken belief that just because it's online, it's fair game. Well, that's not so sure yet because privacy is based upon a reasonable expectation of privacy under community norms. When people go on various uh, websites and social media sites and they think they're talking to their friends, they could claim a, a reasonable expectation of privacy. And besides, the terms of use of any of these sites say they can't be used for commercial use. Uh, now, of course, they could set their privacy settings to, to limit privacy. But that's like saying someone invited a burglar in their home because they didn't lock the door sufficiently. So there's lots of compl complicated issues even in the privacy area. And the third big area is authenticity. How do you even know it's your person? Um, I, I could uh, uh, go on the Internet in about five minutes, create a blog under anyone's name I wanted to, and say all sorts of silly things. So there's all sorts of issues for employers. So we tell employers to approach this area very carefully. The most conservative approach, if an employer feels that there's a real advantage looking at the Internet, the most conservative approach would be to wait until there's been a conditional job offer, there's been a consent, uh, to have a, a, a a documented process where you're looking at the same type of sites in the same way for everybody so there's no suggestion of discrimination, uh, that as you're looking at these sites, you're looking at things that are clearly business-related to the position. And we also suggest that employers consider that whoever searches these websites uh, not be the decision-maker, that one party does the searching and that they find something that's job-related that could then be reported to the decision-maker. So the decision-maker is not subjected to all the raw material on the Internet and maybe even give the applicant a chance to take a look at it first. So it gets pretty complicated uh, in terms of the steps, but we, we do suggest that employers not just jump on the Internet and start searching until you've thought this out and you have a policy and a procedure so you can insulate yourself from any legal challenges. So, Les, I want to ask your advice on a, on a couple different levels here. One is for an information security professional. How do you advise an individual to proceed when they're in an employment situation and they're asked to submit to background screening? Uh, that's a great question, Tom. And uh, for an information specialist, as well as any applicant, there's a, a few things to keep in mind. Number one, under the Federal Fair Credit Reporting Act, the FCRA that we've mentioned, as well as, as many states that with similar laws, you have an absolute right to know that background checks are being conducted. You have to authorize it in writing, and you're entitled to a disclosure. In addition, if the background check report comes back with anything in it that you think is incorrect or incomplete, you have an absolute right to request a reinvestigation. You have a right to have a copy of the report. You have a number of other rights. More important than that is if you're going to undergo a background check procedure, you don't want to be the last person to know what's being said about you out there in the, in the world. So, for example, if a credit report may be associated with uh, your position, and although we do not encourage uh, employers to run credit reports broadly, if for some positions they may be relevant, you certainly are entitled to your once-a-year free annual credit report from each major credit bureau to make sure there's nothing in there untoward. And if there is anything in there that's of concern, then mention it during the interview. Uh, we find that information honestly disclosed early has much less impact, if any, than potentially negative information found later uh, in the process. Uh, you may also want to uh, go to one of these websites. There's a number of them out there all over the Internet. You can do your own Internet research and, and make sure that there's no one out there that shares your name that has a criminal record. And every once in a while, as unlikely as it might be statistically, we do find situations where people have the same name, the same or similar date of birth in the same state or geographically close where one has a criminal record and the other person doesn't. And final question would be advice for hiring managers. Given the trends we've talked about, how should they approach screening in 2013? 
Well, Tom, I think the lesson that we're all learning and is becoming very, very obvious uh, when you look at the FTC uh, enforcement actions, when you take a look at the EEOC, when you take a look at what states are doing and various laws that are passed, that background screening, uh, if it ever was, certainly can no longer be considered a commodity. It's simply not a situation of uh, all background checks are the same and, and uh, who just does it the cheapest. And I think a hiring manager really needs to dig deep into the, the into the whole process before working with a background screening vendor to make sure that it's a vendor that offers a professional service, not just a, a commodity product, because there are so many traps for the unwary when it comes to background checks. The, the laws are Byzantine in their complexity. talked a little bit today, basically the tip of the iceberg, but the EEOC complications, there's uh, the FCRA, there's other laws that apply to background checks. There's 50 states, many of them with their own laws as well. And so the big walkaway point when going forward uh, in doing a background checking program is the legal compliance aspect. Uh, is the information obtained legally? Is it being used in a proper fashion? Am I only getting information that is actionable and accurate? And those are, those are big issues for managers, uh, for, for hiring managers. Also, hiring managers need to be very careful that they're using the right tools, and sometimes we'll find that there are some employers who say, well, I'll just use a database. So it's cheap, it's quick, it's fast. And one of the trends that we came out with this year is to point out that there is increasingly employers are realizing that databases, which are these big amalgamations of data uh, across the 50 states, uh, is really just a, a lack of a better term, a, a data dump. It's, it's incomplete. It has holes. It's not necessarily updated. It's a great tool for background firms in terms of having uh, the ability to look for other jurisdictions to search. Uh, but for hiring managers, for an end user, you have to understand that these databases are full of holes, full of false negatives and false positives. In no way, shape, or form do they constitute anything that you would call a real background check. So you need to be careful that you're getting the real thing. Well, Lester, thank you so much for your insights on 2013 background screening trends. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.